back in the 70s, <clears throat> there was a group, a music group called War, and they did a song, they said, the song said over and over, it says, why can't we be friends? And Zach asked me before church if there's a song I want to lead for the lesson, maybe I should have told him that one. <clears throat> but I think about that song a lot. You have two people that can't get along, you've got uh, sometimes people just acting so, not even childish, and childish. And you think, oh my goodness, why can't we just be friends? Why can't we get along? You know, that song applies, can apply also to religion. When we come down to this church of Christ, we pass another church of Christ. Why do we not meet with them? Why do we have to have two separate buildings? I remember when Mike lived in Lubbock, I counted one time. Lubbock had less than 200,000 people, but there were 26 churches of Christ. And I think, why can't we be friends? Why can't we get along? But maybe the more important question, and then of course, there's all the denominations. I think back then Lubbock had 50-something Baptist churches. And you've got the Methodists and the Catholics and on and on and on. And I, So you think about religion and, and you read what the Bible says and you think, why can't we be friends? Uh, in John chapter 17, when Jesus was praying shortly before He's crucified, He says, in verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in Me through their word, that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in Me, and I in you, that they, may all, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talked about the fact there's one spirit, one body, one faith, and he, uh, one baptism. And he talks about the fact that we as Christians need to endeavor or to try to keep the unity of the spirit. So the question is, why are there so many churches of Christ? Why sometimes is the church of Christ split? Someone gets mad at someone else, have a big argument and everything. They say, well, we'll just go somewhere and worship. That's not keeping the, the unity of the Spirit. But maybe the question we should ask rather than why can't we be friends is why do we not understand the Bible a lot? How can so many people take the same book and get so many interpretations? Have you ever talked to someone at work? Say, well, that's just how you interpret the Bible. You don't find that in the Bible anywhere. You find over and over where Jesus and Paul and all the apostles wanted us to keep the unity of the Spirit. Why can we not agree on the Bible? Why can we not read this and understand it? I used to be naive and think that if you and I had a discussion about politics or, or the Bible, that you and I both wanted to find the truth and we wanted to come to an agreement and we wanted to see what the truth was and then work together. But I've since found that people have a lot of things going on in their head besides a search for the truth. And that's why we can't understand the Bible. Like One thing that's important to a lot of people is to just belong. We want to be members of the Boy Scouts or the Girl Scouts or Women's Auxiliary or the, the Lions Club or uh, any number of different groups that we want to belong to. And so we wear hats and caps and jackets and patches and have signs and, and handshakes and decals on our car that show what we're a part of. And no one wants to be left out. Maybe that's why we get uh, nerds and geeks. Maybe they're people that just don't belong with anyone else. And we don't want to be like that. We want to fit in. Even if it means being a member of a gang. We just want to fit in. And if you'll notice, from now on start noticing, that a lot of people use the church or the religion as a social club. Years ago when Michael and Robert were little and they played t-ball and then moved on up through the ranks. There was another family there in town, and uh, they moved out. You know, we live out in the country, and we don't have a lot of neighbors. 
but they lived down the road from us not too far. And one time we were driving by there, and I told Michael, he was a little kid still, or maybe like a teenager, maybe 13, I don't remember. I said, why don't you get together with them? And he goes, oh, they're too cool to get together with me. I thought, what? They're just kids. But then Angie kind of mentioned a few things to me about them, and I started noticing that not only were those two kids too cool to play with Michael, but they also went to the cool church in town, all the, the church that everyone that was cool went to. And sometimes you see people that aren't so interested in what God expects from us, but they're just interested in being cool. I know a lot of people from this church that once you got them away from church, you couldn't really tell any difference between them and someone that didn't go to church. But they went to church. They went to this church, the cool church. And a lot of people use that uh, church as a social club. And it's always been true. Back when Jesus was on earth, in John chapter 12 and verse 42, John says, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in Him or believed in Jesus. But, because of the Pharisees, they did not confess Him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. And that's one reason that we can't agree on the Bible, is because we're not really interested in what the Bible says. We're interested in what we can get by being a member of the church. We can be cool, we can fit in. We can say, oh, well, I go to church where this preacher preaches, or I go to church where this millionaire goes. And then we feel important. Not because we're important to God, but because we're a member of the cool church. Someone said one time, I heard a motivational tape, said, talking about financial matters. He said, if you're doing it like everyone else, you're probably doing it wrong. And the more I thought about that, the more I thought, realized that he had hit upon the truth. Because the Bible says that. In the Old Testament, God said in uh, Exodus 23, you shall not follow after a crowd to do evil. Well, why do you want to do that, son? Because, Dad, everyone's got one. God said that's not a good reason. Don't follow after a crowd to do evil. Jesus put it another way in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. He says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. If you're doing it like everyone else, you're probably doing it wrong. A lot of people don't aren't in religion for uh, to serve God, but for what they can get out of it. You realize that Jesus was crucified because Pilate would not go against the crowd. He questioned Jesus and he took him back out to the people and said, "What shall I do with this man?" And they said, "Crucify him." And three times Pilate asked the question, Why? What evil has he done? I question him and find no fault in him. I will therefore, I want therefore to release him. And they said, No, crucify him. And this was a time when Pilate says, I don't care what you say, I'm going to do what's right, I'm going to let this innocent man go. But Pilate was afraid of the crowd. He didn't want them to maybe report to Caesar and then he would lose his governorship. He was afraid of the people and so he just did what everyone else wanted. God warned, you shall not follow after a multitude to do evil. The church is not a social club, but that's what a lot of people like to make out of it. And I don't mean to criticize people. You may say, wow, that's pretty harsh. But just start from now on looking around at people you work with and the people you know and in Bible discussions and start kind of listening to what motivates people. I think you'll find that for a lot of people, church is a social club. 
You know, this has never happened to me, but uh, I've heard people like Mike and other people have gone out and done Bible studies, and they go, start going through the Bible, and they start talking about right and wrong and God's laws and what it teaches. In fact, I think we're fixing to do that here over the next ten weeks or whatever. And all of a sudden you see the light dawn on them. And they see what they need to be doing, and they see that maybe what they've been doing is wrong, but then it hits them. You know, because they've got a mom or a dad or a grandmother or grandfather that's dead. And they say, well, if this is right, then that means my mom is lost. And that's pretty hard to swallow. Someone that you love dearly, maybe someone that you trusted all your life and has never uh, done wrong to you, always tried to get you to do right. And all of a sudden you realize that they're mistaken and they might be lost. If this is right, and I obey this, then that means my mother is lost. And you can't say, yes. But you know that's got to be true. Um, in Matthew chapter 10, in verse 34, Jesus says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes will be those of his own household. He goes on to say, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. It's It's a hard pill to swallow. When you realize that your family's lost, I've known known of people, uh, especially younger people, and when they accepted Christ and became a Christian, their family disowned them. Now it would be hard for anybody. It'd be hard for someone my age if I became a Christian and my mom and dad and all my brothers no longer talked to me on the telephone, just treated me like I was dead. That'd be hard. But you know, it's got to be really hard. Someone that's 16, 17, 18, 19, and all of a sudden their family's mad at them because because they did simply what they thought God wanted them to do. It's got to be a hard pill to swallow. Have you ever thought about Paul? You know, Paul was raised, the Apostle Paul was raised a Pharisee, and he grew up and he says he was more zealous than many of his own countrymen. And he went around persecuting the church because he thought that they were. Uh, uh, teaching against God and teaching about a false prophet and leading the people astray. And he went and he would get letters from the governor and throw them into prison and, and, uh, and torture them, whatever he did. And then one day when he was on the road, Jesus appeared to him and Paul realized that he's been wrong. And he asked Jesus, he says, what do you want me to do? And he says, you go into, I think it was Damascus, and there will be told what you should do. So he went in and he was there three days. And Ananias said, what are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. And Paul did that, and for the rest of his life he was a Christian. But when he became a Christian, he was admitting that his mom and dad were wrong. If they were Phari- or they were Jews, if they were Pharisees, all his brothers, his sisters, his cousins, all his own countrymen, all the people that had been Paul's friends, he was now no longer a part of them. He was giving up everything he knew. Whole lifestyle. Well, if this is true, then that means my mother's lost. Well, 
Yes, that could be the truth. But we still got to do what's right. Um, one. Another reason that we don't understand the Bible is because of pride. And used to, I thought pride was a big football jerk, jock, jerk, <laughs> football jock at school that went strutting around and dating the cheerleaders and thought he was so cool and bullying the, the nerds and the geeks. I thought that's what pride was. Firefighter is always a know-it-all and so always louder than anyone else. But over the years, I began to find out that pride is a lot more subtle than that. Pride is what keeps you from apologizing to your wife and saying, I'm sorry, I was wrong. It's what keeps you from apologizing to your kids when you maybe you mistreated them, yelled at them, something you shouldn't have done. I'm dad, I can't tell my kids I'm sorry. They don't have any respect for me. Pride keeps us from admitting we're wrong. Pride keeps us from doing what we know is right. And pride is, like I said, it's what keeps us from doing right. And if you'll notice that the Bible speaks over and over and over and over about pride. Heard a man, a preacher, say one time, he quoted 1 John 2 and verse 16, where it says, For all that is of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And he said, every sin comes from one of these three. And I thought at the time, there's a lot of sins. I don't see how you can narrow them down to just three, three categories like that. Like I said, as I've gotten older, I've seen that we either do the wrong thing, or we refuse to do the right thing because of pride. That gets a lot of us in trouble. You know, some people in the church, I was talking about the football jock that like to be cool and think he's better than everyone. You'll find people in the church that are like that. In John chapter 3, where John was writing to the church, in verse 9 he says, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Here's a man... It wasn't interested in getting along. He wasn't interested in fitting in. He wasn't interested in teamwork, what was best for everyone. But it says here that he liked to have the preeminence against, or the preeminence among them, and therefore he would not receive John the apostle. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words. And not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. How would you like for this to be written about you. He said, I wrote to the church, but Michael, McCorkle, who loves to have the prince. How embarrassing. What a bad thing to have written about you. I would hate to be known as Diotrephes, a man that wanted to be more important than anyone else. And so you see that in the church. That history tells us that Jesus started his church, but then after a while... A few men started liking to have the preeminence in each congregation. There was one man that got to be the head elder, and then over all these cities, then the elder in, in uh, Dallas got to be more important, and he had influence and had to say so over all the other churches. And one thing led to another, and pretty soon what you've got is not the church that Jesus started, but just a whole separate denomination. You would think, you think, well, who can you trust in? So, well, that's why God gave the church elders. He says, men that are intelligent and wise and can guide us and have wisdom, you can trust the elders. Well, can you? In Acts chapter 20, Paul was traveling and he called for the Ephesian elders. And he was, he was preaching to them and giving them some warnings and talking to them about some things. But in verse 29, let's see, verse 28. 
Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Paul was talking about false teachers. He said, you elders need to be careful because there are wolves in sheep's clothing. There are people that are pretending to be sincere and honest and teaching the truth, and they're going to come in and do their best to destroy Christ's church. He said, you watch out for these people. But Paul went on to say, also, from among your own selves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. You've got men that like to have the preeminence. They wanted to be more important than Christ. They didn't want the congregation to be looking to Jesus and trust Him. They wanted the congregation to be looking at me. I'm the one that's smart. You should follow me. And so that's why John wrote, test the Spirit. In other words, don't just swallow everything hook, line, and sinker. You've got to test the spirits. Just because I get up here with a tie and look nice, I hope I look nice, and talk like I know what I'm talking about and quote the Scripture, that doesn't mean I'm telling the truth. John warned you and me, test the spirits. For many false prophets are gone out. We shouldn't uh, swallow things hook, line, and sinker. Some people like to have preeminence. Another... Well, back up a little bit. Pilate, in Mark 15, verse 10, when Jesus was delivered to him by the Jews, Pilate wanted to let him go. And the Bible says, because he knew that the chief priest had delivered Jesus to them because of envy. Here the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees have been the most important people. The people looked up to them. They, they were the teachers, and the people would go, well, what does God's Word say about this, and what should we do about this? And they, they looked up to them, and the Pharisees really liked that. And here came Jesus that healed the people, and all of a sudden thousands and thousands of people were following him out in the middle of nowhere, and then he was feeding them you know, with miracles and the fish and the bread. And people just loved and adored Jesus. And the Pharisees didn't like that. They had to get rid of him. Pilate knew that because of envy... That Jesus, that's why they had delivered Jesus to be killed. Some people just have too much pride. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus tells the parable of the sower, or the farmer. The farmer went out to plant a seed. He says, a sower went out to sow seed. And some fell on good ground, some fell on rocky ground, some fell on um, among the thorns and the, the uh, briars or thistles, whatever it says. And then Jesus explains that later the parable, he says the Seed is the Word of God. He says, And that which fell on the good ground is that those people who heard the Word of God and it went into their heart and it changed them and they became Christians. However, the seed that fell on the rocky ground are those who heard the Word and for a time believed, but in time of temptation, fell away. He says, Those that fell among the thorns are those who heard and believed, but then the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life uh, took the word out of their heart. A lot of people, like Mike, like Mike was talking about this morning, all the people that want to go to heaven and the few that think they're going to hell, uh, we want to be saved. But at the same time, we like our sin. We like going out and partying and getting drunk. We like sleeping with lots of women. We like going to the strip club. We like doing drugs. We like cussing with the guys and telling jokes. We don't want to change. We like what we're doing. So there's pride there. I like my way better than God's way. 
So when you've got this problem, when you've got the pride problem, you can do one of two things. Or when we hear the Word of God, we do one of two things. We can change ourselves to conform to what God expects from us. But if we don't like that, we've got our own ideas, then we change God's Word to fit our way of life. And that's why you have churches nowadays that say that homosexuality is not a sin. That's why you have churches uh, teaching that abortion is okay. Just sin after sin after sin. It's not because God's Word teaches it, but because people want to believe it. Therefore, they have to change the Word so they can do what they wanted to do all along. Henry VIII was married to Catherine, but he didn't, remember from history class, he didn't want to, I mean, he wanted to divorce her, but the Catholic Church wouldn't let him. So Henry VIII started his own church, the Church of England, which when, once he got to the United States is the uh, Episcopal Church, I believe. Here was a man who something else is more important to him than following God's Word, so he started his own church. And he's not the only one. There have been a lot of people. If you start studying all the denominations, you'll find that a lot of people started a, a denomination because they didn't agree with another denomination or because uh, they like to have the preeminence. When I moved down to Houston, I worked in a grocery store for a woman for a while, and one of the women there that was a cashier uh, was a member of the Baptist church, and she was divorced. And she said, uh, I don't like what the Baptist church teaches about divorce. Well, I didn't ask, but I got a pretty good impression that the problem was the reason she got divorced didn't jive with what the Baptist church taught. And that's the way we are. We want to do something wrong, and the church doesn't approve of it, so we'll go find a church that approves of it. And that's where we get a lot of denominations. We want a clear conscience, and we'll do whatever it takes to get a clear conscience, even if that means going against God's word. You say, you say, well, why, why are we talking about, uh, why do we understand the word differently? Well, there's several reasons. One, when you get to work and you're talking with someone and you start talking about Sunday school or baptism or uh, the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost and you disagree, remember that not everyone maybe is as honest and open-hearted and wants to find the truth like you do. So don't get all excited or bent out of shape. And, of course, another thing is, this helps us to understand where denominations come from. We don't have to scratch our head anymore. We can see that some people are interested in things besides the truth. But the most important reason we want to look at this subject is so that we don't do the same things. We don't make these mistakes ourselves. Second Timothy 2, and I believe it's verse 15, does not say, study to show yourself approved to God. What it says is, give diligence to show yourself approved to God, a workman that needs not to be shamed. That would include studying, but it includes our whole life. We need to work hard at doing what's right, making sure that we're following God's Word. The fourth reason that we don't understand the Bible is lack of study. Let me give you an example. What about the Sabbath? Today's a Sabbath day. That's why most of us don't work. The policemen and the firemen and people in restaurants are working. The rest of us are keeping the Sabbath. We don't work today. The Sabbath today, right? Well, let's study. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 5. The people had already received the Ten Commandments once, but there was a review of them in Deuteronomy chapter 25, or chapter 5. God says, in verse 12, 
Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you nor your son nor your daughter, nor your manservant nor your maidservant, nor your ox nor your donkey nor any of your cattle nor your stranger is within your gates uh, that your manservant and your maidservant may rest as well as you. Well, why? And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. How many of us were in Egypt? How many of us passed through the Red Sea? Well, that's why God says we're supposed to keep the Sabbath because we were there. Well, it must not apply to us then, huh? What do you know? Well, the Sabbath used to be the seventh day of the week, but then it got changed to the first day of the week. Where's that? I've heard people say that, but I've never read it. I've never heard anyone say, well, it's right here. See what happens when we don't study? We just repeat what we've heard from other people. Sabbath is not the first day of the week today. It's the seventh day. It's not for Christians to keep. It was for the Jews to keep. It never was changed. You know why we're here today? Because Jesus was resurrected on the first day of the week. It has nothing whatsoever to do with the Sabbath. See where a lack of study can get us in trouble? You know some other things that aren't in the Bible? Uh, money is the root of all evil is not in the Bible the love of money is the root of all evil if money were the root of all evil we'd all be sinful because of money that's not in the Bible the word helpmate's not in the Bible God didn't create a helpmate he created a help for Adam that was meat or that was suitable or appropriate for Adam helpmate's not in the Bible um God helps those who help themselves? Benjamin Franklin, not in the Bible. And how many things do we believe are in the Bible that we just heard and we never studied? We can really embarrass ourselves by not studying. And when we do study, that's why none of us are building an ark. We know that we weren't commanded. That was a, that was a special thing for one man, Noah, to build the ark. That's why we don't have animal sacrifices. We've studied the Bible You've got the Old Testament where they had animal sacrifices. You've got the New Testament where we've got Jesus' sacrifice. That's why we don't have temples like the Jews used to worship in. That's why we don't keep the Sabbath. There's all sorts of things that we don't do because we study and we know the difference. But there are all sorts of things that people do wrong still because they don't study. Little things. And those are the things that divide us. One person studies and he finds out what God's will is. Another person doesn't study and is doing something that's completely contrary to God's will. So we need to be careful as Christians that we study. Uh, Paul was preaching in Thessalonica, and the Jews, again, it says, because of envy, stirred up the crowd and, and uh, made a big uproar. So in the middle of the night, the disciples sent Paul and uh, Silas away to the next town. They went to the Berea, and there they preached. And it says about the people in Berea, Acts 17.11 These were more fair-minded or more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and not only they believe it but they searched out the scriptures daily to see whether those, to find out whether those things were so. They didn't just believe what they heard but they, they studied to make sure that what Danny Logan said Sunday afternoon was true and what Mike McCorkle said Sunday morning and next Sunday are these things true? We need to know, not just blindly following. Jesus warned us, if the blind follow the blind, they shall both fall in the ditch.
um, talked about First um, John chapter 4 where he said, test the spirits. Lack of study is why we don't agree on the Bible. So what does God expect from us? Isaiah 66 verses 1 and 2. God says, but on this one will I look. On him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. Mike talked this morning about how Judgment Day is not going to be a time for jumping up and down. Remember when Moses approached the mountain? Moses said, when God talked to him, Moses said, "My knee, or see, uh, I do exceedingly quake and tremble. Quake means to shake an, earth, or an earthquake. Moses, the one that God talked to face to face was scared to death. God said, the person that looks at my word and trembles at it, that's the one I'm going to pay attention to. He says, he that is um, poor, what does he mean poor? Does that mean that anyone's got over $250,000 can't be saved? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What does poor in spirit mean? Well, if you're poor, I mean, like we talk about being poor, it means you don't have a lot of money. If you're poor in spirit, means you don't have a lot of spirit. Years ago, we went riding. When the kids were younger, we went riding with a bunch of other people from there in Gunner. And almost everyone living out there in the country had quarter horses, which is just a good, all-around, dependable horse, like almost like a pet, a good horse. But there's one woman that had a real expensive, thoroughbred jumping horse, real tall horse, like what you see on TV. And the rest of us were just kind of riding around, and the whole time, she could not hardly control her horse, and it was prancing up, doing its own thing, and she could not control Everyone else just riding along looking. The horse had a lot of spirit. It wanted to do its own thing. It didn't want to follow with the rest of us. It didn't want to submit to her rule. The horse had too much spirit. God doesn't like people that have too much spirit or too much ego or pride on the one that is poor and of a contrite heart. There's a movement today to say that there is no truth. Like Mike was talking about uh, the physicists and some other people. There's people that want to say that uh, evolution is true. We're evolving. There is no God. There is no right or wrong. Just whatever society permits. So now we've got homosexuality. Now that they uh, they don't want us to just accept them, but now it's being forced on us. Believe it or not, I've read articles, and there are people that are already promoting um, pedophilia, saying that it should be allowed. And that's what our society is coming to. And they want to say there is no right or wrong. That's what Pilate asked Jesus. He was trying to get around the question of right or wrong. When he asked Jesus, he said, what is truth? You know, is there a right or wrong? Can I do my own thing? What is truth? Who knows what truth is? In John 17 and verse 17, when he was praying to God, he prayed to God that he would sanctify us through thy truth. Your word is truth. This is true right here. Want to know how I know? Jesus said, He who rejects me and does not receive my words has one that judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. He said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall never pass away. On the last day, the books are going to be open, like Mike read about, and God is going to read about the way that we live in the book that we lived under and how our lives compare to this. And we will be judged by the Word, by the truth. Therefore, it's important that we study and that we know what is right or wrong. In 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 37, um, 
Paul says, if anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. There is a right and wrong. There is a truth. Paul also talked about in this chapter, as I teach everywhere in every church. There's not, it's not how you interpret it. It's not an old Bible uh, um, tradition. It's right and it's wrong. And it's up to us to follow it. So there's four reasons we don't understand the Bible like. One is pride. We don't want to. Either because of our sin or we just want to be the top dog. David mentioned in his lesson, the one thing I remember out of all those lessons is he talked about circus barkers presenting themselves as men of God. I thought that was a pretty apt description. Pride, lack of studying. Uh, we want the church just to be a fun social outlet where we go skiing and go on mission trips and stuff. And uh, what the fourth reason is um, family. I know a man that goes to church every Sunday with his wife, but his dad said, if you ever become a member of the Church of Christ, I'm going to write you out of my will. For some people, family is more important than Christ is. So we always have what we call a song of invitation. And this is a time after you've heard the Word of God to reflect on it and to think about it. And you don't have to come forward to confess your sins. You don't have to come up right now to be baptized. But you do need to think seriously about this word. Jesus said, the word that I've spoken shall judge him at the last day. So if you need to make a change in your life, you can either do it now and we'll be glad to help you. Or you can catch someone afterwards and talk to them about making whatever it changes. But make that decision now while we sing this song of invitation.